Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in. And today I'm joined by Pastor Chris Cruz Osorio, who is the student ministries pastor here at Church of the Nazarene and Harrisonburg, uh, both for our Esperanza Viva and our English campus. And Esperanza Viva happens to be our Hispanic campus. And uh, we also have a campus in East Rockingham in Elkton, Virginia. Pastor Chris, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Thank you, Grayson. How about you? I'm good. It's great to have you. And uh, Pastor Chris is here today to share his testimony with us. He recently joined the staff here at Church of the Nazarene in Harrisonburg, uh, but he actually interned a couple summers, I believe it was the summer of 2018 and the summer of 2019, yep. uh, before coming on the staff uh, earlier this summer. Pastor Chris, um, actually, I'm going to start out with a lighthearted question. I almost forgot this since Pastor Margaret is away today at the time of this recording, but we always like to start out with a just a random question like, uh, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? My favorite ice cream flavor is actually just vanilla ice cream, oh. just very basic. <laughs> And then if like, usually vanilla ice cream will get people right. upset because they're like, that's like, you got to choose something better. Right. So if vanilla ice cream isn't acceptable, I'll go with cookies and cream. But Vanilla is acceptable. Actually, I was <laughs> laughing because that's my favorite really? ice cream. Really? Awesome. Pastor Margaret always gives me a hard time yep, yep. <laughs> about it. And so she would be like shaking her head and laughing right now if she was here. No, that's an acceptable okay, flavor. Okay, fair, fair. Yeah, and cookies and cream is actually my mom's favorite okay. ice cream flavor. That just made me laugh. I was <laughs> like, uh, that would happen when she's not here. But actually, uh, we had somebody recently that we recorded, and they said that they liked vanilla. But then they said because they could add other flavors yeah. to it. So I was like, well, you got both of us because Pastor Margaret always likes to add things yep. to her ice cream. Just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Yeah, so I was born in Fairfax, Virginia, so just northern Virginia. Um, both of my parents are from Honduras, and so I'm a first-generation Honduran-American. Um, and so, yeah, so we grew up up there. Um, I spent most of my childhood in the Woodbridge area. And then um, when I was in high school, my family moved down to Fredericksburg, Virginia, to plant a Hispanic Church of the Nazarene in the area, so... You mentioned you grew up in Fairfax, Woodbridge, and then moved to Fredericksburg, so all northern Virginia area. And you mentioned that your parents were from Honduras. Anything you want to share about your family? How many siblings do you have and what it was like uh, growing up in the church? You mentioned your parents uh, planted a, a work in Fredericksburg, so I'm guessing you've probably grown up in the church your whole life. So anything you'd like to share about your growing up? years about your family just any memories from church yeah so I have two sisters so I'm a middle child okay. I have a little sister who's in eighth grade and I have an older sister who's married has a child and so like family's really important for me and so like I don't recall a day not being in church and so we started attending church probably when I was around four or five years old and so since then we've just grown up in the church and so my parents have like been models of what a Christ-like life looks like. And so I always say that like one day I hope to have just a fraction of the faith that both of my parents have because I just love watching them lead and watching them like grow in their relationship with Christ and their just unwavering faith, whatever life throws at them. And so like family and faith have always been very intertwined um, with me. So like we've been part of the Church of Nazarene since I was about six years old. And so we've grown up in the Nazarene Church. I've watched my parents like 
start off as just regular members, become church board members, and then become district licensed ministers in Church of Nazarene. Very, like a few years ago, they got ordained. And so like watching them grow in that has been really um, life-giving to me and really encouraging. So, Well, Chris, that's neat to hear. I know that uh, faith and family are both very important to me also. And I've grown up in the church as long as I can remember as well. And the Nazarene church, even before dad was a pastor, we went to a Nazarene church in North Carolina where I'm from. And uh, I have a sister also, not two sisters. You're kind of outnumbered, <laughs> it sounds like. Having Just a little bit. Younger sister. Yeah, we talk about, you know, a lot of us, not everybody, were fortunate enough like me and you to be raised in the church mm-hmm. and had godly examples of parents that uh, showed us, you know, what it meant to live a Christian life. But a lot of times we talk about if we grew up in church, you know, we kind of call it riding on our parents' coattails, so to speak. And at some point, our faith has to become our own. So at what point would you say you came to that decision on your own personally to accept Christ as your Savior? Yeah, so I accepted Christ when I was a child. Um, Like, I really don't remember when I accepted Christ, but I do remember the first time I actually had to, like, struggle with my faith and figure out, is this really what I believe? And I was about 12 when this conversation, like, and that was just a few months after my parents had been called to ministry to plant this church. I had just started a new school. We had just gone through, like, this family turmoil, really, in, like, our family life. And so I was really just sitting there being like, is this really what I want to believe or is this really what I like feel is true and so I went through this like six maybe eight month process where I just was really looking back now I was just looking for a reason to be mad at God and so I just had lots of conversations with my parents with my mentors at the time um, and after that I was really able to like make my faith my own after that struggle of figuring out like okay up to this point I've been really just writing along of what my parents believe but do I really believe this myself and so I made the decision when I was around 12 to make my faith my own not just my parents and so my parents really helped me in that process for sure and so yeah so that's when that really happened for me well thank you for sharing Chris and what was there anything in particular that brought on that struggle so to speak or maybe caused that struggle yeah, so um, essentially what happened was uh, when we moved, uh, my mom was pregnant at the time. And so she had a miscarriage. And so for my 11-year-old, 12-year-old brain, I just couldn't comprehend why a good God would let something like that happen. Especially because I really wanted a little brother and I was convinced that this baby was going to be a boy. And so I was just really frustrated and angry with God. And so that really just made like open up that conversation with me, um, between me and God, so... Well, uh, I've not experienced having mom lose a child, and I'm sure as a middle schooler that can be a tough thing. Middle school is tough anyway. It's very true. And moving and going through all that. So if you want to say anything else about that struggle, when you first said you were trying to find a reason to be mad at God, it makes more sense now. I, I was kind of wanting to dig into, well, why would you want to be mad at God? But now I understand that, you know, as a middle schooler, wondering why do bad things happen to good people, so to speak. And we don't have the answer to that question. We got to live by faith, not by sight. Mm -hmm. We know that the Lord, and he doesn't cause things to happen. He allows, you know, we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. Um, So just anything to expand on that that you want to share once you had come to the end of that struggle, maybe how your faith was strengthened through those hard times. Yeah, I think, honestly, one of the like, good things that came out of this 
really like horrible situation, which feels odd to say, but was that we were closer as a family at the end of it than we were before everything started. And so we were closer in ministry, the ministry we were working with together. We were closer as just our family life. Um, We trusted each other more, it felt like. And so that was really helpful for me growing in my faith um, because instead of like bringing us apart, it really brought us closer together. And as a family, because of the faith of my parents, and this is where I kind of say where I like I desire to have just a fraction of the faith my parents have um, because they were unwavering during that time. And so just watching that was really encouraging. And so that just like brought us together as a family and moved us even closer to Christ. And so that was just like my faith just really became solidified after that, um, after having those hard conversations and trying to figure out why certain things are happening when I thought they shouldn't have gone the way things went. Right. Yeah. It's hard for us sometimes because we don't have the whole picture like God does. We can, we have a limited view and will until heaven, you know, we won't have the full picture until we reach eternity in heaven one day. And uh, also Chris, you know, I mentioned that you're a pastor and I mentioned uh, that you had joined our staff earlier this summer. So, uh, Maybe when did you feel the call to ministry? I know you said that your parents are in ministry, mm-hmm. but when did you feel the call to ministry for yourself? And I'm sure growing up in the church, you probably did a lot of ministry, even leading up to, you know, after graduating high school. Yeah, so when I was around like 12 or 13, uh, I was heavily involved in like volunteering in Georgia's ministry. And so like the leaders of the church in the Woodbridge area would always call me the little pastor, even though I would at the time do not have a call to ministry. And I really did not want to have a call to ministry because I like I love my parents and I love the work that they do. But I would see the work that we do. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't need that responsibility on my life. And then around the same time, I was brought on staff at our Virginia District um, spring teen camp or teen retreat to help with production stuff. So I would just help with setup and production. And so when I was 14, I was at this camp and I was setting up our sound system at the bonfire so we could have our bonfire service. And so I had missed that. It was a Saturday night service. And so I went in after the message. Like they were playing the last song. And then one of our district leaders went up and made a call for those that felt a call to ministry. And I was sitting in the sound booth um, away from everyone and I just started crying. And I... I like, I love to cry, but I hate to cry in public. And so for me, it was just like, I'm just crying in front of all these people right now. Like, that's like, this is not what I want. So I like, I had my head down. I wanted to make sure no one knew I was crying. I was trying to figure out why I was crying because I missed, I missed the entire service. Like I wasn't there. I was just there for this particular call. And then my older sister, who happened to be at the camp too, came up to me, tapped me and said, why are you saying no to God? And then she walked away. Um, She claims that she doesn't remember this moment, but I remember it so well. And I just like sat there looking at her and she just like, she didn't say anything else to me. She like walked away, like left the sound booth. And I just sat there and I was just like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Like I have, I'm crying. My sister's saying, stop saying no to God. And I just didn't know what I was saying no to. Like it was just all this very confusing time. And so eventually I was like, all right, well, Like, obviously, like, God wants me to make my way down to the altar. And so I made my way down to the altar, um, and I accepted my call to ministry. Um, At the time, I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I definitely started the adventure of what, like, a call to ministry looks like, so. And uh, that happened at our uh, district camp in Buckingham, Virginia, correct? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I did. And uh, I just, I remember going there, middle school camp and all that, so memories. I was just picturing it in, in my mind as you were telling the story, and also, I want to let you know uh, that as you were talking about 
being in the sound booth after the service crying that I learned from my dad and he learned from his dad that real men cry. You know, our culture likes to tell us the opposite. Yeah. But real men cry. And it sounds like also you're talking about your sister coming up to you and asking you why you were saying no to God and her not remembering that. It sounds like God kind of used her and maybe even spoke through her to you. Most definitely did. She probably didn't even realize what she was saying or why she was saying it. Probably just being obedient to God. Yeah. And uh, that's cool, too. You said you served a lot uh, at the youth camp uh, in high school. So any other memories from that or from your church serving that you would like to share about? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the best things that I've been able to experience is that even though I was just a preteen or a teenager, um, that there was people in the church that like saw me and were willing to invest and pour into me and give me opportunities that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. And so like having a 14 year old's lead production stuff is like an insane idea, really. Like, like I look back and I was like, why did they trust me with that? Like I was just a 14 year old, but they did. They looked at me and they said like, we see something in you and we want to pour into you. And honestly, just my experience with that has like compelled me and like moved me it made me passionate about right. youth ministry. And so being able to pour back into lives, looking at students and being like, I see something in you and I want to pour into your life. And so a lot of it's just been like, my call to ministry has been just the way I've been impacted through ministry as well growing up in middle school and high school. I was thinking of the scripture verse uh, when you were talking about how the Bible says, don't let people look down on you because you're young. Like it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. God can use anybody to serve. That's very true. And uh, earlier you were talking about how, you know, your parents were in ministry and people told you that you were going to be a ministry. And obviously we listen to God and God can use people to speak to us. But I can kind of relate to that. I know my dad and both my uncles are Nazarene pastors and people are like, you're going to be a pastor. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, but I did in college feel a call to ministry mm-hmm. and um, God spoke that very clearly to me and let me know basically that broadcasting, I studied broadcasting in college and that that was ministry. So uh, talk about, you know, you graduated high school, you know, you served while in high school, did a lot of ministry stuff that you said you didn't know why people trusted you with it, but they really wanted to pour into you because they saw something in you. They saw the leadership qualities or the servant's heart or that kind of stuff. Just share about, you know, after high school, uh, what next? Uh, Did you automatically know that you were going to go into ministry or was that something you had to figure out while you were in college? Yeah, so my junior year and senior year of high school, I kind of decided not to do ministry. Um, I was like, all right, I really don't want to do ministry. And so I told God, I told my family, I'm going to study linguistics because I love languages. And so I was like, I'm going to study linguistics. I want nothing less. I want nothing more. Like that was my goal. And my goal was to go to the state school in California. And then my senior year of high school, I really went essentially on a roller coaster ride with God. And God was like, hey, do you remember this conversation we had when you were 14? And I was just like, no, like, yes, but I really don't want to remember it. Like, can we not talk about this, God? Um, And God would just not let that go. And so eventually I like made a compromise with God. And I was like, all right, God, I'll study ministry in college if I get to study something I want to study. And that was computer science. And so I was like, all right, I'll go to a university, a Christian university to study ministry if I can study computer science as well. And so I like listed a bunch of Christian universities across our country. And I 
felt called to stay within the Church of the Nazarene, so it would make sense for me to study ministry at a Nazarene university. And so eventually I dwindled my list down to two of our Nazarene schools in the United States, Northwest Nazarene in Nampa, Idaho, and Point Loma in San Diego. And I was like, all right, I'm going to study computer science and Christian ministry, whatever that's going to end up looking like. And so it was like February of my senior year of high school. I still not made a decision where I was going to go to college because first of all, I was still fighting that. I was like, I really don't want to study ministry. Like, I really don't want to do this. And essentially, I came to a day where I was like, I need to make a college decision. And so I was like, all right, God, let the next school that calls me be where you want me to go. And about two hours later, NNU in Nampa, Idaho called me. And I was like, all right, Nampa, Idaho, wherever that is, here I come. And so moving Friday was my first day on campus. And so I started studying computer science and Christian ministry. And I sat in my first computer science class, syllabus day. I kid you not, we weren't even five minutes into the class where I was like, nope, can't do this. This isn't for me. And so that same day, I like dropped the major and dropped the class and just started this conversation with God. I was just like, what am I here for? Like, what am I supposed to be studying? And so I ended up studying multicultural leadership and Christian ministry. And so that, like, God really just solidified my call during college. And so during college, I had the opportunity to serve at a local church, too, where I worked with students in different levels. So, yeah, so God really just solidified my call to ministry during college and really got through that last, like, struggle with that. So Yeah, I was going to say, it sounded like when you were talking about, well, Lord, I'll study ministry if I can also study computer science. That sounded like kind of like, and we all do it, kind of like bargaining with God. Oh, it most definitely was, yes. But God has a way. He says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give us the desires of our heart. And you found out five minutes into the class on the first day that that was not your desire to do computer science. So sometimes God will let us go the way we want, but then he'll direct us and pull us back and say, see, I have a better plan for you than you have for yourself. That is very true. And uh, you talked about, uh, I believe I understood you correctly, uh, serving students in different areas. I believe you were talking mm-hmm. about while you were in college, if you want to share about that. And also, I mentioned that you interned here a couple of summers while you were in college. So if you want to share about that also. Yeah, so I got to do multiple things in my, like, in my internships in Idaho. I got to do things like teach um, English to Spanish speakers. I got to teach Sunday school and like direct Sunday school for students. I got to teach on like Wednesday night youth groups. And so I just had lots of opportunities to engage with students there. And I was there for three years. So I got to build a good relationship with students in that particular context. And the leaders there were able to pour into me and teach me and just guide me and I'm really grateful for them there as well on, on campus I had the opportunity to also just pour into student like my peers right. through just different campus ministries activities and so that was always a blessing but it was always just a little weird to say the least but it was also a good opportunity and then here I did get to intern here at the Church of Nazarene um, two summers working specifically with our Hispanic ministries pastor and so I just got to pour, honestly like pour into students here too through different summer trips and different events and different like youth group gatherings and so I just have been given lots of opportunities to be able to pour into the lives of students as like my mentors and leaders are able to pour into me. Chris, it sounds like that you just dove headfirst into ministry, even though you said you were a little resistant to it going into college. But it sounds like you dove in in every area, whether it be at Northwest Nazarene, pouring into your peers or different internships in Nampa, Idaho, plus in the summertime being 
uh, closer to home. I was thinking when you mentioned Nampa, Idaho, and Northwest, and Point Loma in San Diego, um, for those who aren't as familiar with the Church of the Nazarene, those are the two furthest Nazarene college in the continental U.S. from Virginia. Yep. So uh, he uh, took you far from home. <laughs> My dad would always call it furlough, fur from home and low on money. Yep. (laughs) Yep. But God brought you back to Virginia after graduation. And like a lot of times, Pastor Margaret and I like to ask people, so what is God currently doing right now in your life? How is he using you, in your case, in ministry? So what brought you, you know, after graduation, talk about um, maybe being called back closer to home, back to Virginia, and how God is using you right now in ministry. Yeah, so God, honestly, I did not know I was going to come back to Virginia till my last semester of college, where like I started having conversations with Pastor Adrian here, um, here at Church of the Nazarene, but as well as just looking at other opportunities that have been like were made available to me. And so I was just really praying because like one of my biggest fears was to realize that I didn't make a decision based on what God was telling me to do, but based on what I wanted. And so I just spent lots of time in prayer trying to figure out, okay, God, what is the next best step um, for me to take um, according to your will? And God made it crystal clear that Harrisonburg was my next step. Um, And like God made it clear pretty late into my senior year, I would say, but I was able to have a conversation with Pastor Adrian, Pastor Sam, Pastor Olivia, um, and we all prayed, and God made it clear to them, too, that this is where I was supposed to be, and so I accepted to come on staff here, all, like, about a mo- about two months after I graduated college, really, and so it was just, I don't know, like, I just felt like an overwhelming sense of peace um, coming back to Virginia, and which I'm really grateful because I love my family, so I love right. being two hours away from my family as opposed to 40 hours, <laughs> um, and so they're only a short drive away now. And now just I, like here in this context, I get to work with alongside our Pastor Olivia, our generational ministries pastor, and um, our youth groups across um, both of our, our campuses here on our Harrisonburg location. And so I've just been able to get to pour into students. Essentially, like the summer has been looked like a bunch of has looked like with a bunch of trips. Um, things are still coming back to normal, whatever that means. Um, like as we hopefully come out of this COVID season. And so I'm really excited and looking forward to our fall semester with more consistent like youth group gatherings and events and more like getting like I'll be in a position where I'll be able to teach a little more and so I'm really excited for that too so uh, Chris I am looking forward to kind of getting back to you know a new normal so to speak more you know public gatherings and I actually volunteer with the teens here and I've been doing it I was thinking the other day like I've been doing it for 12 years and this year will be the 13th year when I first graduated college and moved back to this area kind of like you I didn't go quite as far away but I did go to a Nazarene school in Ohio and uh, when I came back here I felt a desire to serve and I didn't know what area but uh, I'm looking forward to you know getting back to the youth group and regular events but I was talking about how you know in college you kind of uh, dove head into ministry and I was thinking about how I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the first week that you started here on staff was during our best week ever, kind of the last week in June, first week in July. And so you kind of dove in once again to ministry. So whether it be that or I know our uh, youth group is part of something called Renew Camp where a lot of local churches, youth groups come together. And uh, now it was actually a day camp kind of changed because of COVID. But 
go and do service projects in the community. So any of those things that you want to share about. Yeah, uh, actually, my first experience with New Camp was my so my first summer here. Um, I think where New Camp um, happened the second week of my internship, and I showed up my first day, and uh, Pastor Olivia was, was like, "Hey, by the way, we have this camp next week. Do you want to come? Do you want to be a part of this?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course." Um, and she essentially just told me, like, it's just like, we'll just be serving the community. That's as much information I got about Renew Camp. And then I showed up and it was a lot more than that. It was it was an awesome week of service, uh, for sure. And I really think um, a lot of my experience in ministry has been trusting God and just like jumping right in and being able to serve where I can. One of my favorite lines that I've learned from a good friend is that he would show up to events or to to different like things and he would say, I have two hands. What can I do? And I think that was just the posture that I took coming on like coming on staff this past, I guess it was still the summer, but earlier this summer it was just like, well, I have two hands. Like, what can I do to help? And so that's just been like, I love that posture of just being able to like serve in whatever capacity um, and wherever is needed. So that's a great example of surrender. Like, you know, just be willing to be used however God wants us to be used. And just anything else about your testimony or anything else that you would like to share that either I haven't asked you already or that you haven't shared with us already? I think something I've learned in my life is when I'm willing to surrender everything I have to God, everything works out well, Um, which is like, which is like, it happens again and again in my life. And whenever I'm in a situation, I still want to hold things back from God, despite the fact that I've seen God been faithful in the past. Um, But what I've learned and what I hope to continue to lean into is that when I'm willing to give everything to God, everything works out fine. Um, Whatever that looks like, maybe something in my personal life, something in my ministry, something in my family life, um, that God is faithful. And I'm really grateful that God's faithfulness is not dependent on my faithfulness. Right. but that God is always wooing me towards God's um, and his call in my life. I think that's great advice. I mean, and it's so true for all of us. Like, and a lot of times I'll find myself being like, Lord, I know you've been faithful to me, you know, in the past and in the present. Help me to continue to trust you when maybe it's more natural to worry or to have doubts about things. And I don't doubt God. It's just doubting myself sometimes. But knowing that, we're created by God, and He loves us, and He wants the best for us. So like you said, if we surrender to Him, it's all going to work out. That is great advice um, just for anybody listening. And uh, uh, I guess one other question I would ask is, you talked about coming to Christ at an early age, being so young you don't even really remember it, and then as a teenager having a struggle with your faith, and then you know beginning to serve even at 14. So maybe any advice for any younger people that might be listening that might have a call or might not be sure whether it's they're struggling with their faith or maybe they have a call to ministry or maybe they feel like they're too young to be an example to those around them. Just any encouragement or any advice you would have for them. Yeah, I think the first thing is like God can use anyone regardless of age um, for the work of the kingdom. And that's just like, that's just true. Like that's like a hill I would die on essentially. And part of it is, like, if there's a young person that wants to get involved or, like, has questions about their faith, is to reach out to someone, um, to someone, like, maybe a mentor or a church leader, and let them know, like, hey, I want to serve, 
um, like, what can I serve it? And I'm pretty sure that individual wants to find ways to get that person plugged in. But if you have questions as well, like reach out to your pastor and say like, hey, like I'm struggling here. Um, Like as a pastor, uh, like, I mean, I've only been a pastor on staff for about six weeks, but I've been able to have a few conversations with some students that that start off like that. Like, hey, I'm struggling. Can we have this conversation? And like, I love those conversations because we're able to just to meet over coffee and just have a really like one-to-one conversation about what faith and what ministry and what the church um, looks like. And so I think the first step is just like, let someone know and be willing to have those conversations and as a young person, I was always afraid because I was grew up in the church where I was just like, I should like I should know all these things by now. But it's okay not to know things. Right. Like it's okay to say, like, I don't know why this is happening or why we believe this certain thing. And so just being willing to ask questions is an awesome first step. That's great. And uh Chris, uh thank you for joining me today. Thank you for being willing to share your testimony and thank you for pouring into students because Students need a positive influence in their life and somebody who love and care about them and point them to Jesus. Uh, I'm just going to close in prayer for you today, Pastor Chris. Lord, uh, we thank you uh, for uh, today, and I thank you for this uh, conversation that I've had with Chris and him sharing his testimony, Lord. And I just pray a blessing over him and his family, Lord, and uh, over uh, the students that he'll be ministering to uh, through both our uh Harrisonburg uh, English and Esperanza Viva Spanish uh, campuses, Lord, and those students, Lord. And I just pray uh, that you use him uh, to be an example and a mentor and somebody that they can come to when they have hard times or hard questions. Maybe they're struggling with their faith like he shared that he did, or maybe they're going through a hard time, or maybe even uh, they want to serve you, Lord, and they want to learn more how to do that, Lord. I just pray a blessing over him and the ministry that he's embarking on here, Lord. And uh, I just thank you for his uh, surrendered heart and his servant heart, Lord. And uh, I uh, ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Grayson. Thank you for joining me today, Chris. It's been great to have you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I pray that as you've heard Pastor Chris Cruz Osorio share his testimony that it's been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.